Hey guys, great to be with you again today. I want to talk to you about the need of having spiritual parents in your life, spiritual mothers and fathers. Uh, our El Presidente is in the house. And uh, he was teasing me. I said, I think I'm the oldest person in the chapel. He goes, dude, you are older than the chapel. Thank you for that affirmation, that encouragement. Really appreciate it. Uh, Christy and Elizabeth here today. Christy's going to tell a little story in the message today. Uh, Jeff, thank you for what you're doing with the worship team here. All those, uh, Vinny and everybody, uh, uh, thank you for what you're doing with our worship. We just sense the Lord's presence here. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Today is a very special day for me. Uh, a few years ago, I became a father for the second time at 9.15 in the morning, and my daughter is on staff here, Stacy Sikorsky. It is her birthday today. This is your birthday song. It doesn't last too long. Hey, happy birthday, baby. And I love my son-in-law, Adam Sikorsky, one of your professors. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Don't put it on the screen yet, please, Pastor Chris. Years ago, I, I just finished 30 years of pastoring the same church. And before that, I was DYD of Illinois, and I do love North Central. It's real, it's authentic, it's genuine. And I love you. I care about you, even if I don't know you. I believe in you. I am so excited about your future. I really am. I love the worship. I think it was yesterday, perhaps it was the day before, where just every song was about the holiness of God. You can learn all the leadership principles you want in life, and that's very, very important. But you and I serve a holy God, and we are required to live holy lives. We want you to develop critical thinking skills here, but we do not want you to develop a critical spirit. There is a world of difference. You are in this skinny hourglass of your life. This is an exciting time for you. And we consider all of you ministers, marketplace ministers, education, whatever it is, business, pastoral majors, we consider every one of you, as the Apostle Paul did, as the Apostle Peter did, you are a minister unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have been called to proclaim the good news. Your life is to be a light in a dark place. Hallelujah. Years ago as a youth pastor, I said, Lord, how do you want me to do this? How do you want me to do this youth pastor thing? There was so much trouble in America, just like there is today. And I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart, and he said, be a spiritual father to them. I've tried to do that my entire life. When you're younger, you're kind of an older big brother, older big sister that really cares for your younger sister, your younger brother. And then as you get a little bit older, you're the favorite auntie and favorite uncle who believes in that niece and nephew. I had a youth pastor a couple years ago at a camp say, Papa G, when did they start calling you Papa G? You don't give yourself those kind of nicknames. 
Others give you those kind of nicknames because of the fruit of your life. And I said, that's real easy when I became old. An old man is talking to you today who loves you, who cares about you, who cares about your future. We serve a good God, a faithful God. He allows you to go through valleys, and he will take you through if you stay faithful to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16, Paul said, I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you, you only have one spiritual father. You have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I ask you to follow my example and do as I do. A lot of pedagogos, a lot of servants who take children to school. But Paul said you only have one spiritual father. He seems to have said there are very few spiritual fathers, very few spiritual mothers out there. We see his heart in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. But we were as gentle among you as a mother feeding and caring for her own children. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children, a good father, a godly father, a loving father. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy. Elijah was a spiritual father to the prophet Elisha. And there's this incredible story in 2 Kings chapter 2 where a fiery chariot of the Lord came and swooped up Elijah into heaven. And Elisha said to him, My father, my father, this principle of the older generation, caring for the younger generation as loving parents, it's all through the Scripture. I just wrote a paper for Dr. Douglas Ose in a seminary class, and I traced the father motif through all the covenants of the Bible, and it's there. I wrongly preached for years that Jesus introduced to the Jewish people the concept of God being Abba, God being Father. But it's all the way back in the book of Exodus. I want to say that the joy of my life is being a father. I've never tried to grow a ministry. I've never tried to grow a church. That's honest. Of course we've done things. Of course we've worked with intentionality and we've worked creatively and strategically. But my life calling has been to be a father and a spiritual father. The great joy of my life a few years ago was to become a grandfather. Something changed on the inside of me. R.L. Presidente just became a grandfather again. Woo, come on, Grandpa Hagen. Yeah. Embrace every stage of your life. There's a picture of my first granddaughter, Reagan Jean Sikorsky, with her little cowboy hat on. And there she is writing what she called the we, because she would go around the merry-go-round and say, we. I want you to understand what a spiritual mother and father will do for you. First, they will give you life and opportunities. Genesis 2-7, it says, The Lord God formed man out of the dust of the earth. 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. God, our Father, gave Adam life, and that's what fathers and mothers do. They give their sons and daughters life and opportunity. Years ago, one of our general superintendents, Brother Trask, called me up and asked me to speak at the Sacred Assembly in Springfield, Missouri. My son was my youth pastor at that time. Now he pastors Eastlake Church in, in Chula Vista, California, a great church. And I said to Brother Trask, Brother Trask, it would be an honor. I would love to. But I want to bring my son and tag team with me. And he said, can he preach? I said, he's a great preacher. Well, I knew there'd be uh, homiletics professors from CBC and Evangel, seminarian professors from AGTS there. So I made sure I did an expository sermon. Of course, that's the only kind of sermon, right? I'm being cynical. I did all the hard work of the text. I let the text create the points. I let the text create the thesis and the proposition. I supported every point from the text. And my son said, what am I going to do? I said, you're going to tell really cool, awesome stories. And you're going to get them laughing and crying, and you're going to get into their heart. And it was a wonderful meeting. We had an incredible altar time. And afterwards, people came up to me and said, Grogan, your son did really good. And, I'm, and I would say, thank you. And in my head, I'm going, I planned it that way. I did all the work. I labored hours on the text. I set the context of the text. But I set it up for my son to do good. Fathers always want their children to do better than them. We are not in competition with the generation underneath us. We want them to win. That's what fathers and mothers do. They give you life and opportunity. Next, they provide for you. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13, he said, if a father, a natural father, a good father, if he if a son asks of him bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks of him a fish, will he give him a serpent? Certainly not. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus said in Matthew 6.32, or 6.32, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Jesus taught us to pray, our Father, Abba, Daddy, Papa, who is in heaven. When my children struggle financially, do you know what I do? I give them moolah. When my children were born, you know what I did? I opened a financial portfolio for them. When my grandchildren were born, you know what I did? I opened a financial portfolio for them. My father left me nothing. I have a pocket knife from my grandfather and two red handkerchiefs. That's it. A father provides for you. And our Heavenly Father has a great track record at providing for His people. If you'll just stay faithful, if you'll just stay holy, don't resist the hard times. Don't get mad at God. Get mad at circumstances. Get mad at the devil. Don't get mad at God. He's allowing you to go through a test of your character and faith. 
Here's another thing a father will do for you. A mother, a spiritual parent, they will protect you. Psalms 46.1, God our Father is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. In Colossians 1.24, basically the Apostle Paul said it would have been better for him to go to jail than for these new Christians in Colossae to go to jail. And that's the way it is for spiritual parents. You may be going through a rough time, but I'm here to tell you that Father God is coming to your rescue. Your elder brother Jesus is coming to your rescue. Just stay faithful. When I was a little guy, I loved to roller skate. We would go to Ralph's Roller Rink. I had white roller, skate, white roller skates with wooden wheels and with orange and white, I don't know, kind of a little foo-foo thing on the end. Linda Cannon and I loved to do the couple skate. I mean, I'd throw her around my hips, throw her over my shoulder. She was little bitty then. And I would throw her in between my legs. And then we would have kind of a free-for-all roller skating time. And Ralph accused me of banging somebody and knocking somebody down. And he just worked me over and kind of roughed me up a little bit and cussed me out. And I called home and my mom said, what's wrong? And I said, I'll talk to you about it later. And she sent my older brother, football player, 300 pounds, not a Christian yet. And he came in his 38 black coupe with a rumble seat in the back. And he said, what's wrong? And I told him what happened. And he put the car in park and he goes, come on in. And he walked up to the counter and there was Ralph. And that's all I'm going to say about Ralph. And my older brother said, my younger brother doesn't lie, and if he told you he didn't do that, he didn't do that. And besides that, don't you ever talk to him that way again, and don't you ever rough him up that way again. And Ralph made a mistake. He talked back to my big brother. And that 300-pound unsafe football player reached across that counter and grabbed that little man and pulled him across the counter. And from then on, I got free cherry Cokes, free vanilla Cokes. I got to do what I wanted. I didn't have to pay for about six times. Listen, I'm telling you, this is what spiritual parents do for you. They protect you. When you're a parent, it's fun to stay in a hotel motel that has a pool you take your kids swimming. And when Stacy was a little girl, Bonnie and I are sitting there, and we're, we're, we didn't, the water was a little cold. I had on a pair of first edition Air Jordans. And all of a sudden, my little girl jumped in the deep end and started crying help. I didn't think about the cost of those Air Jordans. I went in shoes and everything, and I rescued my little baby girl. That's what spiritual parents do for you. They protect you. Another thing, spiritual parents, a spiritual father and mother, they will grieve for you because of their great love for you. You can read Luke chapter 15 sometime, verse 20, the prodigal had left his loving family. 
But his mother and father were always looking. They were always longing. They were always desiring. They were always praying. They were always hoping. They were sitting on the front porch. And one evening, I'd like to believe, up over the horizon, and they could make out the outline of their son's body. And they ran to him. They had grieved for him for so long. Jesus demonstrated parental love in Matthew 23, where he said, O Jerusalem, I've longed for you as a, as a mother hen would long to gather her chicks. I was 22 when our son was born prematurely. He had yellow jaundice. And the way they treated it back then was so different than the way they treated it now. It was actually very dangerous. And I stood outside the intensive care and I grieved. And I cried for that little baby boy. And every parent knows exactly what I'm talking about. Christy, would you come, please? And would you talk to these wonderful students about the need of having spiritual parents in their lives? One of the things that has made such a difference in my life is that Pastor has given me access and as a woman in ministry, I have a lot of friends who've never had that. And I just want to challenge the young men in the room who are going to be leaders, you're going to be pastors. If you don't find a way to mentor the Phoebes and the Priscillas and the young women that God brings in to raise up in your churches, you're missing half of what God has for the church. And I just want to encourage you, it can be done. You can be a person of integrity and you can mentor women. And so I just want to honor you, Pastor, and just say thank you for that. That has changed my life. Christy interned with us, and some of my favorite memories are walking back and forth from the church to our house and having lunch together. Great, great times. Love you so much. So I had um, been in OA. I don't know if they still call it that. Is it still called OA? I'm so glad they finally changed the name. Anyways, I'm not going to lie, it was really one, a very hard time in my life, and you spend basically two years prepping and then on the road, and you're close to some of the people in your team, and I ended up in a relationship with a guy that I had, uh, you know, been traveling with for most of two years, and you know, he loved God, but it, it was very serious right away, because when you spend that much time with someone, it just gets serious right away. Wanted to get married, and right at that time... I ended up going to Urbana, to Stone Creek, to do my internship. And I got to live with the Grogan's, like Pastor said. And at that time, Pastor would say over and over, women marry men who aren't as smart as them. They aren't as good-looking as them. They aren't as well-educated as them. They aren't as good socially as them. But it's because the guy will do whatever he has to do to get the girl. Now, I've never heard him say it since, so now I realize he was actually saying it, like, subliminally, so I would pick it up. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was struggling. Like, is, am, I, am I supposed to be with this person for the rest of my life? I just really felt unsettled about it, and I had asked him, you know, Pastor, what do you think? And he didn't want to tell me. He didn't want to hurt me. And let me tell you something about Pastor Grogan. If he doesn't think you're going to take his advice, he's not going to give it in the first place. He'll say things like, oh, it'll probably work out, and that might not be a bad idea. But anyways, finally, I said, Pastor, I just need you to tell me, is he a leader? And I'm not saying everybody has to ask that, but that's what was in my heart. And he said, Chrissy, I just had a call this week asking someone asking me for an interim youth pastor. I, I couldn't recommend that guy. 
I recommended Wayne. I couldn't recommend Eddie. I recommended Wayne. And I thought, I wonder if he's recommending Wayne. Which he didn't know at the time. There's always some stuff going on. If you don't know, Wayne is actually my husband. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it was very hard, but I broke it off. It was embarrassing. um, But it changed the direction of my life. And I thank God that Pastor cared enough to speak the truth in love. And you married a dynamic man of God. He's the best. And it's been an adventure. Yes, it has. <laughs> we appreciate Christy being that transparent. Would you show her your love? I've been in the people business my entire life. I've been a pastor all of these years. Pastors are sensitive. Pastors care about people. And I know that some of you, perhaps your father, your mother has died recently. That happened to me before I came here. My father was 28 and almost a half years older than my mother. In World War II, it was very common. All the young men were off fighting in battles, in wars, in the Pacific, in Europe. And a lot of women married older men. I don't remember doing a lot of the things with my father that a lot of children get to do with their father. He started having strokes. When he would come to some of my ball games, my athletic events, he was always very loud and boisterous. Football games, he always smoked a cigar. People would say, Grogan, who's that? And I was embarrassed. And I would lie. And I would say, oh, that's one of my grandpas. We started caring for him in a hospital bed in our home. You grow up real fast. When you have to change your own father's diapers, spoon feed, shave, bathe. Thank God a month and a half Before he died, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. It's a miraculous story. We are sensitive today. Some of your parents are perhaps incarcerated. Absentee parents. Not responsible. The whole step-parent thing. God Almighty is giving you the opportunity to be the father, to be the mother, to be the big brother, the big sister, the favorite auntie and uncle that perhaps you never had. And that's why he's put you in this place. I came here broken and wounded. I was the second person to live in Carlson Hall. Mike Smith, who pastors over in St. Paul, was the first person to live. I came on a bus 16 to 18 hours. My name was on the list. I came over here to Miller Hall, the security guard who had the personality of a, anyhow. He goes, yeah, you're on the list. You can sleep in the couch in there, or I can take you over to Carlston. Yeah, they got your room number here. And I said, well, let's go over to Carlson. That used to be a hospital. I go up to my room. It had an eighth inch of dust on it 
a metal bedpan and a metal urinal and a hospital bed with plastic on it. Slept on a couch in the prayer room and spent the next day cleaning my room. But I was so thankful to be here. If somehow you can stay grateful and thankful, if you can rise above your culture and not be complaining and critical and gripey, if you can be appreciative for what God has given you, don't look at what you don't have. Realize what you do have. Psalms 146.9 says, He, God, relieves the fatherless. The Lord gave me that scripture the day my father died. And he gave me this one the day we buried my father. Psalm 68.5, A father to the fatherless. Defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. Psalms 27.10, when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take care of me. Dr. Ray Levang was the Old Testament prof here. He also taught Hebrew, not the book of Hebrews, but the Hebrew language. He felt sorry for me because my father had died before I came. He found out I was an outdoorsman. He took me hunting. I'm an out, I like to hunt and fish. He took me fishing. and It changed my life. Psalms 10, 14, you are a helper of the fatherless. Psalms 10, 18, to do, vindicate justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. There's so much more that a spiritual mother and father will do for you. They'll create memories for you. They'll leave a legacy for you. God sent you here to change the legacy in your family or continue the good legacy in your family. I just turned a 30-year pastorate Started off small, now multiple campuses, thousands of people. Churches started across the country, including Saints Community Church. To a young man 30 years younger than me. He has five older sisters. Six children all have the same mother, all different fathers. He never met his father until a few years ago when I led him through the painful process of reconciliation with his father. But I knew he needed it. He's been with me 14 years. He graduated from this school what year? Was it the same year? 2002. He graduated with honors. He showed up with a garbage bag. Professor Sikorsky was his roommate and has weird stories on Pastor Ricky. The same sponge they cleaned the sink out with on the last day of school, they found out one of their other sweep mates all year long cleaned the toilet out with. Surprised you guys weren't sick every day. Ricky Spindler is an example of wholeness and health. God has put put spiritual fathers and mothers in his life, and he's being a spiritual uncle, uncle and father to thousands upon thousands of people. You need spiritual parents. You've got to seek them out. They don't have to be like you. I say thank God for millennials, or I wouldn't be able to use any of my electronics. El Presidente, we love you so much. So glad that God sent you here. Your father, you with your own words, you told me, was a mess. 
And now you've lived a life of being a great father and now a grandfather. I want you to come and close off chapel today and give students an opportunity for the ministry of laying on of hands or a spiritual hug or prayer at the altar. Let's welcome our president, Cameron. Let's all, uh, let's all stand if we can. And um, we have four or five minutes here. That was uh, hands down one of the greatest presentations, messages I've ever heard in a uh, university chapel setting. Can we tell Papa G again how much we just, that was memorable. You know, <clears throat> when you are given adversity, uh, you are given a gift. Adversity is a gift. The wind in your face is not rejection. It's a gift that is making you stronger. I've, I've noticed a phenomenon in my uh, last 10 years of leadership life, parenting and leading. And uh, I've started writing a little bit about this phenomenon that I grew up in a day and age when a person's last name had significant, you were a Jackson, a Smith, a Nelson, a Thompson. And you see in the last quarter century, the shift to parents wanting to come up with a first name that's never been used. I can't tell you the amount of babies I've dedicated that's a combination of syllables and words and lettering because the parent so desperately wants that child to feel special. Because in our society, the last name has become meaningless. So the first name, not the last name, is where that person feels meaning, uniqueness, their place in the universe. I knew growing up that my last name, when I was in high school, did not possess a single story of valor or nobility. My last name might as well have been invisible to planet Earth. And through a series of things in my grandfather and great-grandfather's life that my dad inherited that was passed to them um, that does not excuse their adult decisions, but it explains them. And there's a difference between behavior that people manifest when they're adults that's not excusable, but it does have an explanation behind it because of what they inherited. And so when I was in high school, my last name was simply a name that began with the letter H. And there wasn't any follow-up thought. No one ever came to me and said, hey, your grandpa changed my life. Your father did this or that. I love my dad. I inherited all of my natural traits of leadership from my father. And maybe my grandfather. I don't even really know a story about him. But that last name had no meaning. And maybe you're in this chapel and your last name, your name of origin, the family name, 
Maybe it even has negative connotations in the place where you come from or live. I just want you to know that God brought new people into my life to show me how to love my father, my earthly father, through Christ's love. And I had a great relationship with my adult dad, one filled with forgiveness, understanding, conversation, dialogue. And my dad had a great homecoming to the Lord before he passed away. But in one generation, now my kids and now my grandkids, our last name means something now. Okay? We're not groping to find a first name that's never been used on the planet, um, though I love cool names. And little Olivia was born a couple days ago, finally. She finally got here. Karen will be back on Wednesday. But I just want to pray for anybody in this room today and open up these altars. If this message was really prophetic, and when it's prophetic, it's piercing, it's personal. You were thinking about something else, and now you're only thinking about this. That's when it's prophetic, it's piercing, it's personal. But when something's prophetic, it becomes permanent. you got to welcome it to become a permanent imprint and word in your life. I just want to invite some of our... Um, faculty who can do this, some of our RAs. Can we just kind of get a line across the front facing the auditorium just as fast as you can? Could you move who? Uh, the DLs, whatever. I'm still learning all of my, my language here. And we're going to wrap up chapel. But if this word today was deeply meaningful to you as a young man, a young woman, and you want to seal that and make that permanent, I just want you to before you leave chapel, step this way. Find somebody to say, would you pray for me for 30 seconds? That I would not lose what I just heard God say to my life. Um, because that was a healing word today. So, Father, I just pray blessing, Lord, upon our university, Lord, this wonderful community, God. Bless our city, Lord, these neighborhoods, God. As, Lord, as our many friends from that were born in Somalia and other nations walked through our campus, Lord. We just pray that the overflow of Christ's kingdom would be felt in everyone's lives, God. Father, we're thankful for this university and its positioning, Lord. We feel like we've been given a gift to come here. And Father, I just pray now blessing upon every young man and young woman, Lord, that has heard this amazing word, Lord. My own life, hearing this amazing word today. I'd carry it be captured by it, Lord. Make it permanent in my life, Jesus. We love you. We praise you. The worship team will just start to fill the room with some music. You are free to go. But would you come and pray for a moment and say, hey, that really touched me today. Would you pray over me for 30 seconds before I leave today or longer? Uh, there is all kinds of folks up here to pray with you. God bless.